0: Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good. I think I made the joke last time I was up here, but it's a lot scarier being up here to preach than it is to sing cuz you guys are scary. I'm just kidding. Honestly, I'm so excited because this morning the Lord has laid it on my heart to remind us to to remind us what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, of what it means to be a part of the church. At college, we like to call it the Big C Church, not just Hope Fellowship Church, but our church as well as all the other believers, believers of Jesus Christ in the world. So the Big C, capital C Church. Like for instance, when Jesus vows to come back for his bride, his bride is the church. He's talking about all the believers in the world. I find it comforting to know that here in Chestertown, that we join with millions of other believers around the world in praising the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. And this church has a special place in my heart. Like I know it does for many of you as well, but for me, this church has been a second home. A little bit about me for those who don't know me. My name's Eliza, and I'm about to go in my senior year of college at Evangel. Woo! Vander university in missouri and i am studying a degree in church leadership with the hope to be a worship pastor and then later on to someday co-lead a church i'm studying a, uh, let me tell you the girl that you see standing up here is not the same girl who ran around this very sanctuary 15 years ago little eliza was not who you expected many of you who were here know that little eliza was quiet but she was also feisty my Sunday school teachers especially know this. I know Mr. Gary knows this. <laughs> I, You see, little Eliza liked to argue, liked to rebel, liked to refuse to do any of the worksheets. I would talk to my friends during class and get everybody off track. I know, I know, you didn't expect that, but it is true. I was unfiltered, I was argumentative, and I was indifferent. <laughs> I would get in trouble with my parents, of course, but more than that, they would constantly remind me that I have a different position than other kids. I was a PK. I was a pastor's kid. And what I did not only reflected on myself, but also on my parents. And when I behaved bad all the time, it made my parents seem like they weren't doing a good job of raising me. And this got me thinking about the fact that we get a new position when we come into the family of God. We've always been image bearers of God, But now we are to represent the love of Jesus to others. That with this new position and representation comes a behavior change. Through Christ, we are sanctified and transformed into new creations. For we have been called out of darkness, out of the sin that we lived in before we knew Christ. We are called to be a part of a body of believers called the church. And don't be confused, the church isn't a building. The church is made up of all believers who declare Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Look to your neighbor and say, you're the church. You're the church. Now turn to your second choice neighbor and say, you're the church also. <laughs> but here's the question. What does it look like to be a part of the church? What does it look like to live out the calling to be a part of the church? What, what does God say about the church? We're going to look and... The book of Peter, the disciple Peter, echoes the prophetic names that are given to the church. And it says, we're going to read in verse 9 and 10. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you are to show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Come on, what an encouraging and empowering patches of Scripture. I don't even feel like I need to preach after that. Come on, for you are a chosen people. Royal priest, holy nation, God's very own possession. These names echoed here come from Exodus 19. They were first given to Moses on Mount Sinai. God had said to Moses, and we'll look there, Now if you obey me fully and keep my commandment, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Though the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. One of the most significant moments in the Old Testament and Israel's history was when God made a covenant with the Israelites. He said that if they would serve them, they would be his. And a promise made by God, is a promise that will never be broken. The Israelites would go on to fall away from God many times. But when they turned back to him, he was always there, waiting to say, you are my treasured possession. You see, there was no other nation at the time who chose to worship God. They chose to worship their own gods. So Israel was set apart from other nations. Israel was called for a greater purpose to represent God to the nations around them and to have holy covenant with God. And just so now, God has called the church for a greater purpose. He has called believers from all over the world to represent him, to share in the suffering as well as the glory of Jesus Christ. Just as Israel was set apart, so is the church. We are called to live differently than the world to have different values than the world, and to love differently than the world. There is a greater purpose for the church. And every single one of you are equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry it out. What verses 9 through 10 are saying is that we, the church, are called to be set apart from the world. We are called to be unified. We are called to be worshipers, to be holy, and to give Glory to God. So we're going to work through those today. My first one is called to be unified. When we look back at at verse 9, it says, You are a chosen people. The whole reason why the disciple Peter was writing this to the churches in Asia Minor at the time was to encourage them in their suffering. They were being heavily persecuted at the time just because they were Christians. Many of them were killed. Their family members were killed just because they were Christians. One of the many obstacles that the early church had to face was persecution. Israel was persecuted many, many times. They were known for the nations that would come and destroy and siege them. The nations who would destroy them were Gentile nations. But then Jesus came on the scene, not only to preach the gospel to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. See, this was confusing. The Gentiles had had come and destroyed and conquered the Israelites, the Jews. How could the gospel be for them also? The idea that Gentiles were also called chosen people was a new and challenging idea to Jewish Christians. They thought the gospel was only for them, but it was also for the Gentiles. Gentiles were being filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were understanding Jesus just like the Christian Jews were. So when Peter Writing to a majority Gentile filled church says these prophetic names that had originally been exclusively for Israelites was now being applied to Gentiles. But one thing had tied together Christian Jews and Gentiles, and it's the same thing that ties us together now, and that's the blood of Jesus. We all share that we have been saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We also share the calling that we have to be a part of the church, the church in which Jesus purchased on the cross, so that in order to function as the church, we need to be unified, unified in mindset, unified in values, unified in our calling as the church to go out and preach the gospel, unified in the fact that we are all seeking to be closer to Jesus, to know him better, to know his heart better. And not only do we share in the life that Jesus gives us, but we also share in the blessings of living for Christ. For example, we will all share in the blessing of heaven one day, and we will also share in the fellowship that being a part of a church brings us also. Like I said, what an honor to worship God alongside other people who are also worshiping God. See, the Lord doesn't want strife among his people. He needs us to be unified because there are greater things at stake. Things like spreading the gospel and building the kingdom of God. This is why he calls us to forgive our brother and sister in Christ. This is why many of the letters in the New Testament were all about Jews and Gentile Christians to stop condemning one another. God is a God of peace and love and he needs his church to be also. Because like I said, there are greater things at stake. Things we need to do to build the kingdom of God. The next thing that the church is called to be is that we are called to be worshipers. Verse 9 says, you are a royal priesthood. You see, the role of the priest in ancient Israel was to (coughs) enter into the presence of God and to pray on behalf of the nation. It was a very important task that was not taken lightly. It was sacred to enter in the Holy of Holies, the place where the actual manifest presence of God dwelled. Only the high priest could enter that room. And aren't you thankful that Jesus is our high priest, who has granted us immediate access to his presence anywhere we go? That with Jesus living within us, that means his presence is also within us. See, priests worship the Lord not just in song, but in their specific responsibilities. They were responsible for keeping the temple orderly. They were also responsible for keeping things like the fire burning and the altar of incense going. Just like the priest, we as Christians today have roles and responsibilities as believers. We are to worship God, not just in song, but with our lives. We are to worship him with everything that we do. Whether that means for you turning in work on time. I know that's one for me, turning assignments on time. (laughs) Or keeping a clean house. Or just doing things with excellence. You see, worship is more than music. It's giving and offering our lives to God. And the hard truth is that if certain parts of our lives are given to Him, but other parts are not, then we are living in idolatry. We as the church are to only worship God, to worship Him in Him alone. We aren't to worship any other deity, we're not going to worship any other religion, we're not going to worship a politician, we're not going to worship money, we're not going to worship fame, fame. we're not going to worship a political party, we're not going to wor- worship sexuality, we're not going to worship culture. None of those things compare to our God. All of those, all of those things are idols if they are worshipped. So it's time to be intentional about worshiping God and God alone. The church is also called to be holy. Verse 9, it says, a holy nation. You see, the Lord calls us to be holy. Holy meaning to serve him, obey him, and have pure hearts. It's one of the most difficult disciplines to keep in the Christian walk because it confronts our deepest secrets and fears. We once walked in darkness, but now we walk in the light thanks to Jesus. Over time, through the work of the Holy Spirit, as we walk with Christ, we are transformed into new people. We become holy in the way that we live. And living holy means living in obedience to the word of God. And at the root of obedience is trust. So if you're struggling with obedience, I would ask, are you trusting God? Do you trust him enough to know that he knows best? Do you trust him to know that his rules are not for his entertainment and they're not just for nothing, but they are for our benefit as well as the people around us benefit as well the end of verse 9 says as a result you can show others the goodness of god for he has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light you see living holy isn't just for you it's for those around you it's so you can show others the goodness of god Because you have been redeemed, and you can testify that Jesus has changed your life. That he has taken you from darkness into his wonderful light. So that even when sin is staring you in the face, you can say no. And those who knew you for that sin can be amazed at how you have changed. And that is a work of God. It's a work of God to be able to overcome sin's strongholds. A holy nation testifies the goodness of God to the surrounding nations. And in the same way, a holy church testifies the goodness of God to their community. Lastly, the church is called to give glory to God. The last name that is mentioned in verse 9 is a very personal name. It's a very loving phrase it says "God, that you are God's very own possession. Amen. Yes. Verse 10 says, Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Yes. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. You see, verse 10 is actually an echo of a prophetic word spoken in the book of Hosea. And we'll, we'll look there and it says, I will plant for her, I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. When this passage was written, Israel had given themselves over to worship other gods. And this was God's call to them. That he wanted to restore the relationship between them. That he would reclaim them as his people if they would just turn back to him and that they would reclaim God as their God. See, Israel had chosen not to give God glory, and in return they fell away from God. It says earlier on that they forgot who God was and what he did. They also fell away from his protection as other nations came to conquer them. God had chosen them. He has called them his very own possession. And what this means is that he was zealous for them, that he would protect them, that he would provide for them, that he would love them. While Israel Israel had turned away, the early churches that Peter were writing to were thriving under persecution. One of the reasons that they were was because they were praising the Lord. They were remembering who he was and what he had done. They were praising him even through their suffering. They were giving God the glory through every circumstance. I think many times we overthink our Christian walk. We think it's all about rules and striving. But the truth is, it's all about Jesus. It's about seeking him. It's about learning who he is, what he loves, and what he wants. Most of the time, we just need to trust God instead of relying on ourselves. When we rely on ourselves, we get very self-centered focus. It becomes about what we can do or what we can't do instead of knowing the one who has authority over all things and can do. See, the world doesn't revolve around you. It's not about you. And trust me, I have to preach this to myself every single day, honestly. As Christians, we're supposed to live to give God glory, not keep the glory for ourselves. Because when glory is not given to its proper recipient, it rots in the hands of the one who holds it. So a funny, a funny story for you. The farm where I work, um, we have an office area, and it's like part garage, part kitchen, part office. And for the last month, it has smelled really, really bad. And I was like, I have to find this, what's, what's making this smell? So I was like, oh, it has to be bad produce, or it has to be the trash. I would clean all that up. But the smell was still there, and it was getting worse. So this week, one of my coworkers came up to me, and she said, I found the reason why it stinks. And I was like, oh, is it an animal? Is it, like, bad produce? And she was like, it's worse. <laughs> she had opened up the oven in the office, and inside... Was a serving dish full of old ZD forgotten about from a party in June. In June. Let me tell you, it was the grossest thing I've ever seen. It had maggots, it had flies, it had all the gross stuff you can imagine. My boss had to put on a mask and he put on two gloves. He put it on the front of his tractor and he took it out to the woods and he just threw the dish with it. He said, it's, it's gone. But the smell, let me tell you, the smell was the worst thing I have ever and probably will ever smell in my life. All this to say, a baked dish of ziti, when properly cooked and served at the right time, is great, it's wonderful, it's delicious a big dish of ziti kept in the oven for months is not so great. It is disgusting, and it is horrid. (laughs) And the same thing applies when it comes to glory. When given to God, it blesses not only God, but the one who gives it to to him. When kept for ourselves, it rots and it festers in our heart. And what it does is it turns into things like pride and selfishness. And that's why it's important to remember why we do what we do, why we give to the needy, why we suffer, why we love, why we live for Christ. To To be honest with you, the only reason why I am up here is because I have a call on my life. I have a call to ministry. I have a specific call to cultivate broken churches back to health. And while God has gifted me with the ability to sing and play piano, I have a greater calling to lead people into the presence of God. I am not up here because of my talents and abilities, but I am up here because of the grace of God and because God has called me. (laughs) Ministry is one of the hardest things to go into. Even in my short time, I've seen many people walk away from the ministry and even from the faith. I've seen people get bitter. I've seen people become discouraged. But I am called. I am called by God. And let me tell you something, every single one of you are also called by God. Every single one of you have a specific calling on your life. And while it might not be to go into full-time ministry, it might be to be a godly parent. It might be to be the light and the darkness in your workplace. Maybe it's to be an encourager to those around you. And maybe it's to help pick people up when they are in despair. You see, no assignment from God is too small. No assignment is insignificant in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God measures success a lot differently than we do here on earth. The kingdom of God's currency is love. It's sacrifice. It's godly motives. It's clean hands, pure hearts, yeses, and amens. Think of how effective the church can be when we are all walking in our calling. That as we keep our eyes on Jesus, that as we obey him, then together as the body of Christ, we represent Christ to the nations. As I close today, I'm going to do two altar calls. And the first one is for the person who feels discouraged. The first, the person who feels ill-equipped to step into the calling that the Lord has on their life. Maybe you've made a mistake. Maybe you've made a lot of mistakes. Or maybe you just need clarity on a decision. Maybe you just feel insignificant to walk in that calling. The Lord is here for you today. The second one is for the person who doesn't really know where they fit within the church. For the person who doesn't really know what their calling is. Maybe you feel like you don't even fit into the church. Maybe you're confused on where God wants you to be in this season of your life. Maybe you're scared of what God might ask you to do or what he might ask you to give up. We're about to approach God's with boldness this morning. Is that all right? We need to turn to the Lord in our confusion in our fear and our doubt because he holds all the answers. But more than that, he is called the comforter. He is called the one who sees and he sees you today so let's ask him to help us today every head bowed and every eye closed if you felt like you aligned with that first call that you're the person who feels discouraged and ill-equipped to step into the calling of the lord on your life i would ask right now if you would raise your hand as an act of faith to show the lord and I. right now i ask holy spirit would you empower them would you bring them peace? Would you show them that it doesn't matter who they are, but it matters who you are? That you would show them that they don't have to walk in their calling alone. That you won't give them that calling if you weren't going to that you wouldn't give them that calling if you weren't going to walk alongside them through it. Lord, would you bless them as they build the kingdom for you? Still every eye closed? If you feel like that second person, the one where you're just confused, and you don't really know where you fit or what your calling is, would you also raise your hand as an act of faith before the Lord? And I? The Lord sees you today. Lord, you see these raised hands and these heavy hearts. Lord, you are more than able to help, him help them. Lord, would you make it clear what specific calling that you have on their life? Remind them that they're first and foremost calling is to love you, Lord. Lord, would you ground them in the fact that they are part of a loving church body who loves them? Lord, would you help them in their their discouragement and their confusion? Would you bring clarity to their situation? Lord, we love you. We thank you today. Help us to be transformed by your presence day by day. Would your favor be over this church and every single individual in this room? Lord, that's our prayer today pray this in your name, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. At this time, I ask that the prayer partners would come forward, and Delaney's going to keep playing, and whether something in this message hit your heart, or whether you need healing, whether you need guidance, or just need prayer, let me tell you something. Jesus is in the room today. So approach his throne with boldness. Our prayer partners will be up here to pray with you. Thank you guys, and have a great Sunday.